On the second Sunday of January, every year the church commemorates the baptism of our Lord, so that is our gospel lesson this morning from Luke chapter 3. Katie and I are beginning a sermon series this morning called The Impossible Possibility for an Impossible Time. Hear the word of the Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he was the Messiah, John answered them all by saying, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to untie. He will baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat in the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him bodily as a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, my Beloved, with you I am well pleased. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, as this wretched pandemic drags out to the end of its second year, it really is an almost impossible time to be alive, right? I don't mean to exaggerate and I don't mean to engage in self-pity because Americans have been through far worse many times before, Civil War, Great Depression, the dark days of World War II, but it's not easy, is it? Signs of frayed nerves are everywhere, from the Capitol building to school board meetings to Whole Foods, even to your family rooms. Claustrophobically cooped up together for months with children in virtual school, married couples are fighting more than they ever have before. It's because they're always together. They can't get away from each other. They don't have time to be apart and to miss each other and to desire each other. In 2021, there were almost 5,000 incidents of unruly passengers on airplanes. That's a, like a multiple of four or five times from any year before. Behavior at sporting events in high schools has never been worse. At a basketball game in New York, or Washington State, rather, two African-American sisters, basketball players, were taunted, and the crowd, the hometown crowd, mostly a white school, made monkey sounds at them and then when she complained when the mother complained to their to their principal somebody sent her an email saying that she was failing at being a mother because her children were different and they needed to be prepared for things like this it's not an isolated incident in vermont at a soccer game one girl walked off the pitch because the hometown crowd was sexually harassing her so severely she just walked off in tears the coach pulled the entire team off the pitch and they went home this is a 16 year old girl journalist sarah lyle talks about a persistent hum of incivility during the season of epiphany from christmas to lent the revised common lectionary is giving us gospel stories 
from the early ministry of Jesus, from the visitation of the Magi to his transfiguration. And so I decided that since in my lengthening lifetime, the Christ-like virtues have never been more needed, we could see what we could learn from the Lord during this persistent hum of incivility. When the crowds ask John the baptizer if he's the Messiah, he replies, I baptize with water, but one is coming who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to untie. He will baptize with fire and with Holy Spirit. John's is the gentle baptism by water, but Jesus is the more difficult purgatory of baptism by fire. Listen to what John says. His winnowing fork is in his hand. For he will place the wheat in the granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. You understand the metaphor John's playing with in this image, right? At the threshing floor, there needs to be a sorting and a sifting. You need to sort the usable and the edible from the unusable and the inedible. And so at the threshing floor, the farmer will take a pitchfork or a shovel and take a shovel full of both chaff and wheat, and thrust it up into the wind so that the heavier grain will fall safely in piles to the earth, but the weightless chaff will drift away in the wind, and then it will be collected and set afire. What John's trying to tell us, I think, is that the lives of those who follow the Christ need some sifting and some sorting. There is that in our lives which is weightless and worthless. There is that in our lives which husks them with incompetence and sloth and incivility. There is that in us which needs to be burned away, like the shaft from the wheat, like the dross from the gold, like a wound that's cauterized against infection. So how are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? Anybody doing a dry January, for instance? Every new year, on the second Sunday of January, by a happy coincidence, the church confronts this oddball from the wilderness, John the Baptizer, on the Sunday we call Baptism of the Lord. It's a nice thing to do at the beginning of the new year when there are new possibilities, right? It's not an easy message, these bold, angry words from this oddball, but it's, in in essence, good news. The message of John the Baptist is that at the beginning of the new year, It means that we, the Christ, no longer need to be chained to a dead past. We're not trapped in our own skins, by our own histories, by our own mistakes. We're not chained to a compelling orbit around a dying star. We can be something new and something more. We can escape the gravitational pull of the past. Do you think the world might need some folks who at least try to emulate the Lord? During this time of a persistent hum of incivility, the American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr calls Jesus the impossible possibility. I love that oxymoron, the impossible possibility. That is to say, Jesus is unique in all history. There will never be anyone like him again. He is the God-man. He is at once this simple carpenter from Nazareth, but also God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And we can never reach up to his towering statue, nor, stature nor copy his radiant virtues. 
That's impossible. But everything depends upon the attempt. We have to reach out towards this impossible possibility during this persistent hum of incivility. On airplanes, at basketball games, at Whole Foods, in your family rooms, even at that birthday party party with your anti-vax, anti-mask uncle. None of us are born with inherent civility or native courtesy. Those are life skills that need to be learned and disciplines that need to be cultivated. And in the last couple of years, we have unlearned these life skills. We're out of practice. Even coming to church or going to restaurants is scary, so a lot of us stay home. Social engagement is rarer than it was two years ago. We're out of practice. We are playing life these last two years like the Detroit Lions play football with spectacular and persistent ineptitude. So maybe it's time for that purgatory of a baptism by fire. I think my favorite short story of all time is Flannery O'Connor's Revelation. Revelation was published in 1964, the same year Miss O'Connor died of lupus at the age of 39. Revelation is about a woman named Ruby Turpin. Ruby Turpin is a little bit self-satisfied. She considers herself to be holier than most. She thanks God over and over again that she's not like other people. She's not white trash. She's not black. She's not ugly. And she says to herself, when I think of all the things I could have been, I just thank the Lord that he made things the way they are. But then at the end of the story, she has this vision of Judgment Day when all the saints when all of humanity will parade one by one into heaven, and Ruby is shocked to find out that the ones she considers to be inferior, the white trash, the black people, are going into heaven first, followed by the stragglers, all the good, holy people. And of these saints, the story tells us, you could tell by their shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being burned away. These last couple of years, somehow we have weathered and witnessed a nation that is not broken, but simply unfinished. For as we grieved, we grew. As we hurt, we hoped. As we tired, we tried. For there is always light. If only we are brave enough to see it, if only we are brave enough to be it.